host Tim Drake. On today's episode, I have comedian Zach Bornstein. I first met Zach several years ago at a Meltdown show and I have always loved his work and decided it was time to finally have him on the podcast. Zach is best known for his work on Jimmy Kimmel Live as well as Saturday Night Live and it was really fun to finally be able to kind of get to learn his story. He had a different path than most people going into comedy. Uh, Before comedy, he was at Brown University and he was a Rhodes Scholar finalist. Um, And so it was really cool to kind of hear his story and how he ended up you know, from, from Brown University into comedy and working on shows like Jimmy Kimmel and, and Saturday Night Live. And yeah, it was really cool to be able to sit down and talk with Zach. Uh, we were supposed to end up recording this over at the studio space we've been using over at the Nerdist, uh, at the Nerdist uh, stages. So, but, uh, but due to some unforeseen cir- circumstances, uh, SoCal Gas ended up just randomly turning Zach's gas off. So, so it was a little bit of a scheduled debacle and Zach was kind enough to let me come over to his place while he waited for the gas guy to come and fix their air and get his gas turned back on. Uh, you'll hear a little bit of us kind of joking about that on the show. Uh, his landlord even calls during the show and Zach decided, what the hell, we'll put him on the air. So it was kind of funny. Uh, to be able to kind of to kind of deal with all of that, uh, hopefully Zach's got his his, uh, his heat back on because uh, he just had freezing cold water <laughs> all day and yeah he, he he was a little panicked about it so hopefully it's all taken care of at this point I'm sure it is seems like it was all getting taken care of as I was taking off uh, after recording this but yeah it was great to be able to talk with Zach and really fun to learn his story uh, you can follow him on all the social media links on the website uh, he also mentions them at the end of the podcast if you're sitting there with your phone you can quickly follow him as you hear it uh, but make sure you follow Zach and check out everything that he's doing. A uh, quick reminder about our show that we have coming up March 1st at the Nerdist Showroom at Meltdown Comics. Uh, it's, it's a sketch show that Austin and I are putting on called the Best Picture Sketch Show. Uh, the Oscar nominations just came out the other day and so we're taking all of the Best Picture nominees and we're going to do sketches about each one of them. So in case you couldn't see all of them, don't worry, we got you covered. You'll be able to see all the Best Pictures through our sketch show. And uh, yeah, then, then you can make your picks and, and you'll absolutely know who should win Best Picture based off of our sketches. We hope. Well, hopefully that, that's what you'll get out of it. So we're really excited to be putting that on. There's going to be a lot of great comedians involved with that as well. Again, that's March 1st over at the Nerdist Showroom at Meltdown. Um, as, as the comics uh, that we have that we're working with right now join the show, we'll continue to announce who's going to be on it. Yeah, it's going to be a stellar lineup and really cannot wait to put that show on. So hope you guys really enjoy this episode. Again, thanks to Zach Bornstein for letting me come over to his house. Um, be able to sit down and talk with him and uh, and learn more about his career. Again, really fascinating story, and I hope you guys really enjoy this. Till next week, enjoy this episode with Zach Bornstein. Fresh farts in podcasting. <laughs> you, you, as you said, I noticed you've got a fart sounds book here. Oh, it's it's well, fun, it's that it's an interview book. It's essentially really? like a podcast in just like book form. <laughs> so it's just interviews with comedians, and I did did one of them. That's kind of cool. I have to check that out. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad that we were able to make this work. So I think the first time I'd very very briefly met you uh, was at a meltdown show, mm-hmm. probably two years ago okay so and then i'd always kind of see stuff that you were doing with with kimmel and then as you joined snl and then i was like all right i've got to so i moved out i was like i need to sit down and talk with zach because you've always just kind of intrigued me with so much that you've done and then seeing some of your some of your backstory and your education i was just like all right this is kind of it's an anomaly it's not something that (laughs) you see very often well i'm glad i've misled you into thinking (laughs) i'm interesting that's very nice of you what was the show? Do you remember? Was it a thousand comics to see before you die? 
it might have been. I would always just come out here and I would, whenever we were doing shows out here, I would just buy tickets for whatever was going on at night over at Meltdown mm. just so that I had a good mix of shows because it's like if I go to the comedy store, I'm getting the same 50 comics every night. If I go to the Laugh Factory, it's the same thing. Whereas Meltdown, it's like being an alt room, you're always getting sure. something different. So I yeah. Like, yeah, I can't remember which show it was, but I remember that was the first time I saw you. Oh, okay. I saw you perform or anything and I was like, I, I, I dig it because you've got you've got my brand of comedy that I <laughs> that I always enjoy oh, following. Oh, okay. What is that? So, I can't tell what my brand is. Some people have mentioned that. So I the way the best way I always describe it is a little bit more obscure. It's not the you know handing the joke on the silver platter. It's the you the way I've always kind of grasped your comedy is making people kind of think about it for a second. Oh wow! And it, it's smarter. I I like Thank smarter you. comedy. I think that just might mean I'm just not very clear. <laughs> I'm just a very <laughs> obtuse comic. It's a Rubik's Cube of a joke. Yeah, it doesn't really work most of the time. you got to move the stickers around. It's a nightmare. <laughs> I, I know how that goes, though. I've written jokes where I'll show them to my friends. I'm like, that's good, right? And they just kind of look at it and like, I, I don't get it. you got to like spin it. you got to spin the top and then the side and then yeah. spin the bottom. <laughs> and then still there's one color that's God off. But <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm glad glad we were able to to make this work. Yeah, so thanks you're, for asking. You're you're one of the first ones since I've made the move out to Los Angeles welcome. to uh, to to join the podcast. Oh, so. okay, cool. Well, welcome welcome to the city. Yeah, where well, the that, heat is on. You. Yeah, all night on the beach <laughs> till the break is on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I prefer it over the snow. Oh that yeah, I, that I that I normally was used to this time of year. Usually this week I was freaking out because I was producing shows at Sundance and. Uh-huh. It was always just like, oh, I've got to drive up the canyon, and oh, sure. the canyon's just covered in ice, and yeah. Then I was like, oh, it's like seventy-five degrees right now. It's yeah, there's fewer road deaths here. Yeah. Or it's I guess it's a different. There's probably more, but it's more from it. It's like from texting, not ice. Yeah. There it's ice. Here it's just like there it's Instagram. texting and ice. Oh yeah. So yeah. A lot of people in Salt Lake City and anybody listening to this in Salt Lake will. They'll get mad for a second. They'll be like, "But he's right." Shout out to but, Salt Lake. <laughs> but but they just seem to kind of say a prayer, get in the car, and go. Oh sure. So yeah. it's uh, yeah, you might die for a number of reasons in yeah. Salt Lake City. <laughs> <laughs> so now now where was it that you grew up? You aren't a Los Angeles native. No, right? I grew You're... up in Seattle. Okay. Yeah. So in Seattle's got a fantastic comedy scene. Oh, I so didn't that, know. <laughs> yeah, they, I, I don't know if, if you've uh, seen Billy Anderson and Mike Mazzalotti. So they, they've recently kind of made the move down here. They kind of taken the Seattle scene by storm over the last several years. Oh, and then, really? So And then Billy started a show called The Gateway Show. Oh, oh, I'm doing yeah. that. Oh, you are doing that? Yeah. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's a yes. fantastic guy. I'm doing that in March. Okay. So are you doing, are you doing one of them here? Or yeah, are you doing I'm doing it? it here in L.A. Hold on. Let me plug it. <laughs> Yeah, as long as, long as as long as we're dropping Billy's name, so you may as well. You may. <laughs> oh no, February, February sixteenth, at Echoes. Oh, I'm getting a call from my landlord. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Hey, how are you? Hey, okay, great. The plumber will be there uh, this afternoon. Uh, within the next half hour or so to have a look at the water heater. Maybe he can turn the water heater on, and he has a key to the basement. That would be fantastic if you could get the water back on today. I know. Uh, you know, I, I have no idea what this guy's talking about, The guy, you know, uh, that it's unsafe down there. It's, you know, because it gets serviced twice a year. So E.L. Payne is coming tomorrow. Raul will be there today, and he has the key to the basement, but he knows uh, if you could keep an eye out for him, 
that would be great. Do you know approximately what time? Uh, probably within the next half hour or so. Oh, great. Okay, yeah. cool. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. Bye-bye. See you later. Such a nice landlord. He's his total sweetheart. <laughs> also, he looks exactly like his voice sounds. Like, what are what are you picturing when you hear that guy's voice? Almost kind of like a Stephen Tobolowski type of a. Uh... Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, kind of like that. He's more. He's like a cross of that and John Waters. <laughs> like he's like he's very slender. He's older. He always has a shirt that's like very crisp and it has like a little pattern. Like there'll be like some birds on it or like <laughs> some like stars, but just on one section. Uh, he's very like old school West Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. So d- does he have kind of the open collar too going for him? Open collar, that... thin mustache, <laughs> like tight haircut, <laughs> like keeps himself well. Like pro- I cannot tell his age. Like he could be sixty or like two sixty. I just don't. <laughs> I don't know. It's somewhere in that range. So I'm I'm glad I'm glad you're gonna get hot water back. Yeah, I'm so happy about that because we've been I've been taking a shower at my friend's place down the block for the last uh, <laughs> four or five days. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. So my when, when I moved into my place out here and they told me I didn't have to pay for gas or water, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna start taking hot showers every day. <laughs> <laughs> you were not showering because of the cost. Oh no no I was. T- I was t- oh oh. No, but hot showers, hot showers. I was taking I was taking like those good like kind of lukewarm. You were ones. taking lukewarm showers to oh, save yeah. money. Well, no, just because I didn't want to blast it through the roof. I was just like, I... Well, how much is the difference in cost between a lukewarm shower and a hot shower? <laughs> I, I have no idea. But I was just like, when I lived in Burbank, it was... When you when you turn on the gas, it, they were just like, money, money, money! Oh, really? Oh, yeah. How much was it? So my first gas bill was like 160 bucks um, For a month? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I was just like... We haven't paid our gas bill yet. We're going to get... And there's like an old place where it leaks a lot, so we're going to get fucked. Los Angeles County seems good, though. Oh, it is? It's better? Yeah. Oh, my water bill here even is... Or not my water, my electric bill. It's I was bad? Sh- it was gr- it's wonderful. Low? Yeah, it's really oh, low. Oh, it's oh. like 40 a month or so. Oh, in Los Feliz, I was paying like 200 a month for electricity. I don't know what they're doing. See, I'm like right on that little border of, of Los Feliz and, uh, and Little Armenia. So it's like I get oh, that. Yeah. Somehow I'm in like the sweet spot right there. Because sure, even sure. my insurance is great. One of my buddies is just like, my insurance is like 150 more than yours. And I was just like. I don't know. Oh, all right. I'm glad we've made this into a hard utilities <laughs> podcast for anyone interested in the utilities market in yeah, LA and, County. And in LA County within the Valley, yeah, this, this is the show. This yeah. is the show to go to. Uh-huh. We just go area code by area code talking megawatt costs. <laughs> so we'll kind of, kind of back to your, you know, how you started. So you grew up in Seattle. Yeah. So what, what was the, kind of like in seattle that brought you eventually to los angeles um well nothing in seattle brought me to los angeles but i went to i went i was in seattle for 18 years until college and went to college in providence rhode island and then after college all my friends were moving to new york and i got a job as a page at letterman so i went to new york i was doing comedy there for a year or two and then came to la because jimmy kimmel brought me here and then and then I went back to New York for SNL, and now I'm back in L.A. Okay. Uh, with a new project. So, so you've just been bouncing coast to coast for the last several years. Yeah, I've, I've bounced. I've paid movers now like f- 
five, six times. I've probably spent like 15 grand in like furniture moving fees. Not even furniture. (laughs) Just like moving it back and forth. (laughs) It's not good. I need to just (laughs) stick here and get cheaper furniture. (laughs) So now when when you went to college in Rhode Island, so you were at Brown University, right? So, I mean, was comedy always kind of the goal or did you kind of have other other sites when you were going to school no i kind of fell into it i don't know how much you know because that's a very it's a it's a, a kind of a perfect teed up question for me because <laughs> i was i was in an i was a neuroscience major so i was going in I, I was on an md phd track so i like uh i was in these labs a different one i was in two different labs i was a uh i was applying for like the roads and the couple other like these like science scholarships after college but in college, I kind of fell. They have a b- pretty big com- comedy scene there, like kind of like their our version of like the Lampoon. Okay. There was like a lot of comedy, so there was like a sketch group, a stand-up group, a couple of improv groups, a satirical newspaper like the Onion, and then like a um, like a New Yorker style like journal. So I ended up getting involved in four of them, and then kind of like. And that ended, I ended up doing almost more of that than actual schoolwork. And it was just, like, <laughs> so much fun. And, like, I was getting so much positive feedback. Like, you know, like, just, like, people would say, say nice things in the library. And just, like, eventually all that kind of snowballed. And I was like, wait, this is more fun. And it's, like, the positive feedback feels good. And it kind of has that, like, heroiny like, feedback loop where like once you get it once you just like want it more (laughs) and then uh, it's that instant gratification that exactly yeah like i could do a good like paper for like a neuro thing or like a study and then like in like three years maybe it will get published or like i'll give a talk but like in comedy like you can do a set in 10 minutes and 300 people will be like yay like there's just like (laughs) the, the just the like dumb ape feedback loop in my head was just going go for that it's like yeah. eating a snack versus like eating healthy and the best part is you understood the science of why it was doing that and you were still like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go with that instant gratification it, instant gratification is strong man even if you i mean every you know it like even everyone knows it like you know you're not supposed to eat a brownie and yeah. you still eat the brownie so it was that and then while i was in college i started getting like some like little jobs here and there like i interned for the onion and uh for this podcast called risk which is really good yeah i, I know kevin a little bit he's awesome yeah. and uh i started getting stuff doing well on like reddit and like stand-up sets and then i had a film that was like doing the festival circuit so then there was like enough there was enough like okay maybe in the real world i have i could maybe compete so i was like okay i'll try it for one year while I'm applying to, uh, before I, before going to medical school. And then in that first year, things just, uh, kind of snowballed. Yeah. Now, now when you were applying for those, you mentioned the road scholar, you you were a finalist for the road scholar. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I was, so they take two from every district. So there's 15 district, 16, 15 or 16. So it's third, no, it's 30 road scholars a year from the world. And so I was in like the like Western United States and they pick 15 kids from that region. And then from those 15, they pick two. And I was number three. Okay. <laughs> and apparently it came down to a vote of seven judges. And four of them voted for this other guy. And three of them voted for me. And apparently they were arguing. But then 
the other guy got it, and now my life is hell. <laughs> and that guy's life is now that guy's president. That was Trump got it. So, so I mean that that still though is, is quite the prestigious thing to be able to even make it into the into the three. Oh with, sure, with the road. It's scholar. a prestigious thing to almost get and not get. <laughs> so at, at that age, I was probably. Tr- struggling to spell road scholars so. <laughs> it is a dumb spelling also that i don't know if it's like a good thing because the money for it is from Rhodes, who was a guy who made his money in blood diamonds so i don't know if it's like <laughs> so uh, it's really the blood diamond scholarship it's a bl- yeah that's what it should be called and then leonardo dicaprio brings it out to you. <laughs> and then takes it away from yeah. you so now, I mean, you said, you know, everything kind of snowballed for you. What was the kind of the first thing that really took off that just kind of led to the whole snowball effect? Um, well, I was just working on jobs in New York for money just to, like, pay the bills. So I just, like, truly anything. Like, I, like, would uh, assistant camera, random shoots. I would edit things. I, like, made these, like, videos for, like, a textbook DVD. So I did that for – that was how I was supporting myself. But the things that – was this group that I started with these guys from school called Garlic Jackson. And that we got a run at the pit in New York. Do you know okay, that? Yeah, the improv uh, yeah, theater. Yeah, I there. love the pit. It's awesome. And it was nice because they gave us an hour. It was actually through Kevin. He was the artistic director. Oh, really? And he set us up with the show. So I can thank him for everything. <laughs> uh, so he... So we got this show, and it was an hour-long sketch show, and we would just do a new hour every month. And that just, like, forced us to, like, write and get better quickly. Uh, And after the second one, we got, like, a little New York Times blurb, and then we had a YouTube channel that we started making stuff, and we got, like, a residency with the YouTube studio space in New York. Oh, that's awesome. So we were able to, like, make stuff. I mean, it wasn't fancy, but they, like, had equipment and that was just like that was like just enough of the like economic barrier to get over to make it so that we could make things more often say like we didn't we would try to like pool our money together to get like a camera rental or stuff like that but then once we got this thing it was like they didn't have like it wasn't like they were giving us reds or something it was like we just had like a like those like just a basic dslr yeah Yeah. (laughs) and then so but those were enough to start making stuff and then those started doing better online uh, and then from there, uh, I got Kimmel. That, that's a pretty incredible path to go to, you know, be able to just kind of build it slowly, build it slowly, and then have have Kimmel be able to kind of come along and, and get it really moving for you. So now w- with Kimmel, what was the first position you had there? Because before you left to SNL, you were a dire- you were one of the segment directors. Yeah, right? so that was I, that was the only job I had. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I so I started, I was a, the segment director, and then... And then that was it. <laughs> and then I died. <laughs> so, and, and so how, how did Kimmel kind of come across your stuff? Uh, I honestly don't know what he found, but I just got a Twitter message one day from him that was like, hey, I saw your videos. I think you're talented. What's your email? And I thought it was a prank at first. I just was <laughs> like, there's no way. Just there's someone's posing as him. It's because there's no reason he, like, I was like, why would him, someone so cool be looking at it? Uh, and, so then it, it was his like verified thing. And so I was like, okay, maybe he's like messing with me. But I was like, but even if he is, I should still just like respond. Yeah. So I like joked back and forth for a little while and then give him my email. And then 
we were trying to set up a meeting for a long time, but he was so busy. And then for a while, they just like stopped responding. But I just like kept bugging <laughs> them. And then eventually, he had some time, so I went to L.A. and he um and we met. And then uh, we just like kind of hit it off because he uh worked in Seattle at a radio station called KZOK. That was or no, was it K Rock or KZOK? I think it was KZOK, which was in Queen Anne, which is the same neighborhood where I grew up. And then he had also lived in Brooklyn, where I was currently living. So we had... Uh, you guys had a fair amount in common. Yeah, and I'd point. worked at Letterman, and Letterman was his, like, idol. Yeah. So there was, like, a couple <laughs> of these, like, random things that we just, like, had some nice touchstones to talk about. And then he was like, great, nice to meet you. And then I left, and I was like, well, that was cool, but, like, I guess nothing's happening. So then I was still in New York for about another six months or so after that. And I just did whatever I could to pay the bills. I ended up working at this like TV show that got canceled mid first season on animal planet about eel fishing called. And I this didn't know not, that was a thing. And no one did. That's why they canceled. It, it was called eel of fortune. <laughs> and it was and that so wasn't bad. a sketch you were doing. <laughs> I swear to God. And they ended up changing it the last minute to cold river cash. But like, they tried to pitch as like a competition, like hot, like one of those like dangerous like what was it the like deadliest catch shows. Yeah. But the thing is, like most of the what eel fishing is, is you just stand on the side of a river and just like run a net through it, for like <laughs> with your hands for like, you know, sixteen hours a day, or you just like go leave a net in, in the water and then just leave and then come back and check it and like sometimes you have eels. So that was the only they we, I would just. Cu- so my job was essentially the first pass through all this footage. So I spent months and months just watching hours of these just like nine guys just like standing <laughs> just on the standing side of a river. river. <laughs> <laughs> just essentially it looks like they're like mopping the river because they're just doing that same like mop motion, like a, like a listless janitor kind of like in the, just in the, on the riverbanks. And so that was that. And then after about six months, I was... Kimmel, there was a job for a writer coming up, so they started asking me for scripts, and so I started sending it, and then nothing happened. But then I had a couple of videos that, like, went viral at the same time. Not, like, insane viral, but, like, enough that yeah. it was, like, I, I was proud to send it because it had, like, some write-ups and stuff. So I sent it to him, and, like, almost the same day or, like, within the same week, one of their directors was leaving. So it just the timing of those kind of worked out that I, like, uh, all this stuff kind of happened, and then they were like, "Hey, do you want to come out uh, to do a trial period as a director for the show?" So, what what did a trial period kind of consist of? So, the trial period was two weeks, and they put me up in a hotel, and then they were like, "Okay, you work this," and then on the Friday after two weeks, we'll tell you if we're rebooking the hotel or if we're sending you back to New York. So. <laughs> Essentially, and they didn't tell me. I'd have to go ask them. <laughs> so <laughs> I, on Friday, I'd, I, I like emailed the like uh, the person who was like in charge. And I was like, "Hey, just curious, am I, should I come back on Monday?" Like, I, <laughs> and then they'd be like, "Let me check." And then it would be like a couple hours, and I would just my heart rate would just be going crazy. <laughs> and then they would be like, uh, "We've booked your hotel for one more week." And so I was like, "Oh God!" And then so I do another week, do another shoot or two, and then that Friday I'd be like. Hey, am I coming back on Monday? <laughs> and then they'd be like, we'll check. And then they'd be like, we booked you for another week. And that happened for four months. Oh, geez. It did get into longer periods where they'd be like, we've, we're, uh, 
you'll be here for another uh, two weeks. Or, like, we'll be you'll be here for another four weeks. But it was two... No. I think from the top to bottom, it was from May until around August, I was... You were just kind of floating I was just there. asking them if I was staying in <laughs> L.A. Cause, and I had to keep my place in New York, too, because I was like, I could get fired. In, or not fired, but just, like, the trial period might not work right. out at any second. And then I just, like... Because so I wasn't moving furniture. I was just like, I, I just brought one suitcase full of clothes. I remember I found out, I like, there was no like, the the laundry at the hotel was very expensive. So I found out it was cheaper to go buy it from Muji, which is this like, uh, this like Uniqlo type store. So I just like <laughs> buy socks and underwear because it was cheaper than the like hotel laundry That's service. Crazy. And so I did that for a long time. And then eventually they were like, yeah, I just just get a place you're you're here so i didn't have i didn't have a, they weren't like you're going to be here for like two years i didn't have a contract or anything but it was still just it was kind of just like you're 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 a director now. yeah yeah so that that's that's such a crazy thing to just have to i mean it, it's almost like they were just drawing a week out of a bowl like is he getting two weeks this week or <laughs> it really felt like it but i mean to their credit I was just like some random kid that Jimmy pulled from New yeah. York. It wasn't like I had, I mean, I had experience from like a lot of YouTube stuff and like some random like sketches with MTV and college humor and things, but it wasn't like there was, it was like, I, it wasn't like I was directing a season of like, you know, uh, two and a half men right. and then I went over it. Like, so I understand their hesitation and like they're being, you know, tentative about it. Yeah, it's 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 a scary thing both for them and for you at the same time because I'm I'm sure you probably felt and and I mean you you can of course correct my my thoughts on this but it had to have been absolutely nerve wracking to be walking into a show like Jimmy Kimmel Live and be like all right well I've made videos and sketches and stuff but now I get to direct segments for a late night show yeah so I mean how how did you approach that to be able to um, figure it out really <laughs> i mean it was really terrifying i guess it was almost it was weird because i actually ended up having le- like i did less than i was used to because when you're doing stuff on youtube and i didn't have any money so i would just like i would do everything on our shoots like i would shoot them i would pick up the i would do the lighting i would make all the props myself and so a lot of the learning curve was like learning not to do all those things. And like, you just like <laughs> sit behind the like monitors and like call out actions and then go block and talk to the actors and stuff. So it's a lot of like figuring that stuff out. I think also the, another one of the things was figuring out how to like manage people, which I hadn't done a lot of before. Cause it was like, I went from crews of, you know, at most 10 people to crews of like sometimes 30 people. Right. Uh, so it was just like figuring out like how to like keep everyone moving, like not doing things one at a time being like, okay, here's your instructions. Here's your instructions. Here's your instructions. And then being like, okay, go. Okay. Reconvene. Now we shoot. Now go. Now reconvene. So a lot of that. So was it, was there a particular segment that was like your all time favorite that you ever um, uh, did with Kimmel? I definitely have a lot of favorites. That just, uh, even though that defeats the purpose of the word favorite, but, uh, <laughs> I remember my, I guess what one time that like it made me relax a little bit was my third segment. There was, I got a script that wasn't good. I just like, I mean, it wasn't horrible, but it was like, I was like, this is going to feel kind of corny. And I was just nervous that it would make me look bad because then the director is ultimately responsible for 
the showing it mm-hmm. and being like, uh, you know, kind of if it doesn't go well at rehearsal, then it's your fault. Essentially. Right. So in that one, I was like, OK, I'm just going to add a shit ton of visual jokes and other jokes that I think is fun. that are funny and just like hopefully like try to spruce it up. So I did all that and I was like, this, it just felt like a risk because I was like, maybe this is going to go and just like bomb really hard and they'll be like what is all this stuff we didn't approve <laughs> why is this it? why did you spend money on this bullshit like this is not what this in the script so i did all those things and then the, it went all the stuff i added ended up going better than the written stuff and that was like i was like oh, okay so then and they were like that and jimmy's like those were really funny so i was like okay that's at least like i at least had some kind of basis of like trusting myself a little bit but it was also I was also doubting everything, yeah, every day. So, so no, I I I know how that feels, even on just the small level of, of writing something, putting it out there, and be like, no one's gonna like this. <laughs> yeah, everyone's gonna hate this. Nobody's gonna think it's funny. Yeah, every time I upload something to Funny or Die, I'm just like, everyone's just gonna hit die. That's just <laughs> how this is gonna go. <laughs> so I've definitely died many times. <laughs> I mean, there were I can think of hundreds of bits I added that didn't do well, yeah. but I think it was just good having an earlier one. That'd be like, okay, I can do well. Yeah. So it's not, there's somewhere to go. Yeah. It, the, the the first time I, I had put anything on funny or die. So I remember I freaked out the, the second I got a die vote. I was just like, fuck, this is going to be, this is the end. Like, <laughs> and then all of a sudden I realized like, no, there's things that Will and Adam have uploaded here that are like 20% funny and they yeah. run the company. So <laughs> I, it, it quickly taught me to stop being precious about yeah. hoping that every single thing was no like a hit. No one has an 100% hit rate. Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 was a, that was a humbling lesson for me to learn as soon as I got my first like die. I mean, you mentioned that you had interned with, with The Onion when I was with Second City. I was able to take a class from Scott Dickers. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Like learning from like his insight, and I kind of went to went into it. I think a little cocky because I'd been doing well pitching stuff with like Second City articles, and I pitched like ten headlines to him, and he just ripped them apart. Oh, no. And I I actually loved it because I was like, no, I like that somebody came to me and was just like, this sucked for this reason, this sucked, <laughs> and it completely opened up my brain. And finally, like the third week in, I just had to send him an email and was like, dude, I just have to tell you thank you for tearing these apart and making it so that I'm not so precious about this. And it it definitely changed my entire approach, allowing those things to to fail like that. Yeah. It's nice having someone being honest that things are bad sometimes, (laughs) or at least telling you why maybe, although maybe he wasn't right about all them. Maybe some of them were great. There still is one that I, that I hold on to that. I was like, no, it was a solid joke. And I told uh, Rob Kuttner is over at Conan when he was on the podcast, I told him the joke and, he liked it a lot and was just like, no, that was a good joke. And Scott, even after I had told it to him, he was like, I had to look up what it meant. Still don't understand it. What is it? It was, it was a headline that was rheumatologist looking forward to speaking about hand jobs at the AVN awards. Wait, what's a rheumatologist? And that's why he didn't like it at first. Rheumatologist is a hand and wrist doctor. Oh, oh, that's funny. So he does surgery on literal hand jobs. Sure. Yeah, that's funny. So, I, I made it so it was like really layered and he was just like looked up what a rheumatologist is still don't like it and I was just like <laughs> fine I was like I think it's funny <laughs> that's funny so now I, I I do love though that you know Kimmel reached out to you through a tweet 
Mm. Uh, and, and through and through Twitter, because I know uh, Bridger Weiniger, who I'm sure you kind of crossed Love over Bridger. with Bridger. Of course, yeah. So I, I went to high school with Bridger. Oh, really? So I have not really spoken to him since. I reached out to him once when we were coming out here to be like, hey, I haven't seen you since high school. Do you want to go on the podcast? No answer. Oh, really? <laughs> I love him. Yeah, I, I absolutely He's love him. such a good guy. So still, in, one of my favorite things ever written in one of my yearbooks was from Bridger. And he wrote... I heard you were a really crappy person and had crossed out crappy person or really fantastic guy. <laughs> oh, that's great. But I had heard that he kind of had the same thing after he was on Craig Ferguson. Jimmy had, had reached out to him. Yeah. Through was, Twitter. Yeah. Jimmy's really, he really has his finger on the pulse of yeah. like what's going on. And there was a couple others too that he kind of pulled from online. This guy, Jeff Loveness, who okay, yeah, had I'm some viral stuff on YouTube and, um, Jack Allison, who had some really good funnier die videos, and um, there's been a couple others he's kind of plucked from from the bowels of the internet. <laughs> and I think he just he's just great. I mean, he just like has good, uh, just like he just keeps his ear out. And I think he's not also precious about like I only want people with the best pedigree. Like, yeah, they must have ten credits. Like, it's not. He just is like, if you're funny, you're funny. Right. Which I think I mean that which is an awesome thing, and I think ultimately makes the show better. No, it, it definitely does. Cause you can feel that the writers definitely find Jimmy's voice, but you can see so much of certain writers that I've seen kind of poke through in, in the show that I've been familiar with. I'm like, oh, that's that's their voice right there that that Jimmy kind of lets shine through, and that's that's something I've always found fascinating with with that show. But with, with the tweets, I I had felt like, all right, they're they're finally noticing some of my stuff, and no, it was it was one of the one of the producers there they had. Uh, used a few of my tweets on the show. Oh, really? And it About was when what? it was when Jimmy started doing the finger of shame. So they'd used one of my one of mine. I was the very first one that they actually did with where there was like five handicapped parking spots, uh-huh. and every single car was turned off crooked from them. <sighs> and so like they'd used that one. Like I get the email and they're just like, "Hey, this is Jimmy Kimmel." Like or I can't Steve from Jimmy Kimmel, and I was just like, "Oh, cool." Steve who? Do you remember? Uh, I can't remember what his last name was. I'd have to pull it oh, up on okay. my on my Twitter. And I was just like, all right, cool. And then like a week later, they were like, hey, we want to like, he actually was like, hey, can I call you? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, yeah, Jimmy came up and actually wanted us to use this one. And it was one I had done uh, in a Barnes and Noble where they had an entire selfie section. Uh-huh. And I was just like, what have the Kardashians done to our bookstores? Oh, that's funny. And he's like, yeah, Jimmy came up and actually told me to find this one. And he like worked with a bunch of people from Salt Lake at the time. And I was like, all right, cool. Like they're getting, they're getting to know some of my stuff. And then Jimmy retweeted one of my things. And I was like, all right, oh, they're paying cool. attention. And then nothing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I was like, all right. Like I hear of everybody that like here, like gets the stuff through Twitter. And then I was like, I just have to be better on Twitter. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think, it, I mean, it, it's also just like insane luck. It's yeah. just like you, it's like you do, you have to be super funny on Twitter. Like you were being, but then also just like randomly hit the lottery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just like it happened that the timing was working out and like there was a spot open and right. there was the right kind of thing at the right kind of moment. Yeah, but it's, it's it gives me hope still. I'm always just yeah. like Twitter. You you can do this for me, Twitter. <laughs> good things happen. I've made very good friendships through Twitter too, or yeah. like you just like or interact with someone a lot and then hang out. And you also you end up meeting. I feel like I've weirdly met most of the people I interact with. Just like and then oh, it, really? it like has it's kind of cool because then you like go into conversations sometimes at like industry parties or whatever where you're like. Hey, I know your stuff, and hey, I know your stuff, and okay, cool. We have some kind of base of like mutual respect. And yeah, you know, we like vaguely know each other and can talk. 
Yeah, well, that, that's even more of how I started following a lot of your stuff. Because after I saw you at Meltdown, uh, your Twitter had popped up on the podcast Twitter page. The podcast Twitter So on page? my podcast Twitter, like it, it pulled up. So it wasn't on my personal page. It was on the podcast one. Oh, okay. Where some of your stuff had popped up. Somebody had retweeted. And I was oh, just like, okay. oh, no, I remember Zach. Oh, nice. And, and so it's, it's funny that, yeah, a lot of people that I continued to follow and I've got to know have all kind of spawned from from Twitter as well. Yeah. I mean, as much as it is a cesspool and ruining the world yeah. and delivered <laughs> one of the worst things to happen in modern times, it's also a really <laughs> cool place to meet like-minded comedians. Yeah, you can either meet like-minded comedians or start World War Three, one or yeah. the other. I <laughs> have in the same proportion. Like, for each one, you get the other. Yeah. <laughs> so now, how many years were you with Kimmel before SNL kind of came uh, on? Two and a half. Okay. So, and what, what was that process that kind of brought you into SNL? Because I remember it was kind of right as I started following some of your stuff, and then all of a sudden it was like, boom, you were on SNL. And I was like, well, shit, that was... Oh. That was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, well, it didn't. I mean, it seems like it just kind of happens overnight. But there's a lot. Like it, ta- it takes a while. Yeah, it's a to long process. Faster. Um, I've been doing mod for a while, which is like the sketch teams at UCB, and then I applied for the show, and you just send in. I guess I think I had a simpler process than other people because. A lot of people, the way they become writers is like, let's say they got like JFL just for laughs. And that took them like an audition and then a call, a tape and then an audition and then a callback. And then they do just for laughs and they do well. And then from that, they get a meeting with the SNL people. And then they do like an SNL showcase and they do well at that. And then from that showcase and they go do a screen test in front of Lorne. And then from that, they ask them for sketches and they send those and then they become a writer. So that is like one process. The one for me was I just sent in five sketches through my agent in a packet. I got a call from him being like, Hey, they liked your stuff. Can you fly to New York tomorrow to meet them? And I was like, I can't, I have a, I have a shoot tomorrow because I was still working at Kimmel. And then he was like, well, shit. Okay. And then, (laughs) so then he called back the next day. I was like, okay, just, it happened to be that one of their head writers was in town promoting his new movie can you meet with him? And I was like, if you can make it early enough, because it will be before the shoot in the morning. So I went and I met with him, really hit it off. He's an awesome, very nice guy. And we just like had a lovely conversation. And that, I, I, I it just felt like hanging out, but that ended up being a, like a formal interview because he then just like the next day I got a call from him. Was, was, this, was this Chris Kelly? Yeah. yeah. And then he was like, hey, do you want to do it? And I was like, of course. Like, uh and so I think my process was like more simple. It was like weirdly, there weren't as many stages to it. Yeah. Uh, but I think it just like was just the circumstances of it. So yeah, it, it definitely beats having to jump through those, those just extreme hoops. I've heard so many people's stories of having to go through the, you know, the, the rigorous auditions and then the callbacks and then yeah. Yeah, having to put on the showcase and some of them that were standups that were like, oh, I have to put on this like they would have to do sketch stuff. They were like, I'm not familiar with any of this. So. Yeah. Uh, they do have a lot of stamp writers, especially this year, uh, which is, I mean, it's a different thing, Yeah, but so sometimes <laughs> it overlaps really nicely, but sometimes it's just like a different muscle that you have to learn. So what, what was the writing process like there? I mean, a lot of people, especially a lot that have that listened to the show, have probably watched the documentary that Franco did on mm-hmm. Hulu 
So I mean, is, is I don't I don't know if you've watched that. Is, I have. Is, yeah. is it pretty close to that process? That's that he shows? the most accurate I've seen. Like, because that's just kind of showing you the process. I think people are it's that, but less friendly because <laughs> <laughs> I think you know everyone knows there's a camera on them, so they're acting yeah. a little bit nicer. But essentially, it's it's the same weekly schedule. Is that Monday you go in, everyone sits on the floor of Lauren's office. Like all the main people do. Everyone's on the floor except for Lauren and the host and who sits in the middle. And then he goes around the room, just says your name, and then you say a one-line pitch. That's like a pitch for a sketch. And then the room either laughs or not, and then he moves on. And that's always very intimidating. But then (laughs) (laughs) you leave that room, and then you go talk to the other writers about what you want to work on and other ideas you had, and you go run stuff by the producers and the head writers and get feedback and blah, blah, blah. And then you come in Tuesday around noon. From Tuesday at noon until Wednesday at noon, you write. Like, don't go to bed. Some people go sleep on their couch for a couple hours. Some people go home for like an hour or two. But it's like a 24-hour writing period. Then there's the table read, which is probably the like real show for the writers, because that's like, it's like you, it's like a produced table read. Like mm-hmm. they have music cues, songs, they have sound effects. The actors all sit there, so you get a stack of like it's like four inches worth of scripts. And Lauren does the table st- stage directions. The host sits next to him, and they read sketches for five hours. Wow, and so I, I think that would be hard just to hear Lauren reading the the stage directions just with his voice. <laughs> well, it's he, no, no. It's that's. I mean, it's 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 so true. You actually have to write your stage because it's you have to write it more in his voice than just like regular stage directions. <laughs> well, it's he's very quiet. Yeah. So a lot of times your visual jokes. A lot of times on SNL, you'll hear actors say like. I can't believe you like did this action or like you're wearing a silly hat. And it's because those lines at the table read get bigger reactions. If an actor saying it just cause they're louder and selling it more than him just like kind of quietly saying like, she's wearing a funny hat. Like <laughs> you'd like, it'd be better if Keenan's going like, she's wearing a funny hat. Yeah. Like it's just like, uh, so a lot, there's a lot of that because you kind of have to be aware of that. So then there's the table read, and then you stay, and you they pick the sketches. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you do rewrites and the um, and blocking and, like, produce the sketches and build the sets and the props and the costumes. And then you shoot the pre-tapes Friday, and then it all goes up Saturday. So, do you, I mean, at, at this point, do you miss the rigorous <laughs> SNL schedule? Uh, I mean, I... The, I mean, it's. N- I mean, it, the schedule's pretty wonky because you only have Sundays off, and mm-hmm. because the show goes until one, and then there's an after party, which you're like socially obligated to go to, yeah. and then an after after party, <laughs> which you like are vaguely socially obligated to go to. Although I didn't go to a lot of those, so you really you wake up on at Sunday at like two p.m. because you've been sleep deprived the whole week, and then you just have to start coming up with new ideas for Monday. So you don't. There wasn't a lot of. There wasn't a ton of life outside of it, besides the weeks off, like for like holidays or or other things like that. So I mean, you may as well forget getting an apartment. Just get a get a couch at Thirty Rock. Well, people do that. They sleep there. I was in the office where uh, John Belushi had like a bunk bed in there. He like (laughs) just would sleep there sometimes. Who, Uh, Who did you share an office with at the time? Uh, it changed after a few weeks, but it ended up being mostly Alex Moffat and Will Steven. Okay. 
They're wonderful guys. Yeah. It's very fun. So and Alex has been killing it this season. Yeah, he's great. So yeah, he's he's been fantastic. What was it, what was it like though, you know, your first year there and then getting an Emmy nomination? Uh it was good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh uh I yeah, I guess it felt nice. I don't care so much about the like it's the, it's like a nice feeling yeah. to like have you know room full of people go yeah, you're good. But like it was, I pr- I enjoy the like just like writing sketches. So right. it was just nice to just the just the sketches. part being part of it and being able to do it's kind of more of where you thrive. And yes, yeah. if you get an award nomination, it's there. I'm but. certainly <laughs> b- thrilled beyond belief and very humbled to even be in the same room as like those people yeah like the people the level of talent in that room was just insane so the fact that i was there i did it just you feel like why why am i here yeah uh so um so it was it i mean it feels great i'm not <laughs> <laughs> so so you did attend the ceremony and everything yeah then. yeah and I'm, i was i was not expecting to be as nervous as i was and i was very calm up until they called our category and then I was just like, for just like the second they called our category, my heart rate just went through the roof, and I just was not <laughs> expecting that at all. I think I was just nervous about what my face was gonna look like if I had to go on stage <laughs> and like if I'd like trip or like go in the wrong order or like get too close to the mic or like I didn't know what that was. What I and then John Oliver won and he did that uh, DC public schools thing. Oh yeah. So the show ended up winning a ton of awards, but my category. Uh, John Oliver won, so I didn't get a personal one. But uh, but hey, the nomination still is a big deal, though. At the yeah, at, at the same time, hopefully. So <laughs> we'll find out if it ends up being a big deal. <laughs> so it, it's funny you mentioned though, like worrying if you're gonna fall down or anything like that. The first like little teeny film award that I won, uh, we screened our our short at the Directors Guild. Mm-hmm. That's and cool. They were calling everybody up, and they the guy that runs it. Thought that it'd be funny. It was the year that Neil Patrick Harris hosted. Mm. And he wanted me, being a bigger guy, to do the same type of thing coming out of the dressing room in the underwear. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. It sounds Uh funny. Well, it was not set up the same at all. So Uh instead, I just kind of come stumbling into the auditorium. There's nothing up on the screen or anything at the Directors Guild. Uh And I'm just in my underwear, and I'm just like, all right, this is not going over like it's supposed to. <laughs> so I did my whole spiel. I get out and I go and throw my clothes back on and I come back in and they've got like the handful of winners up on the stage. And my producing partner, she's like, hurry up. Like, we've got to get up there. And I go and I, I kind of jump to the corner of the stage. Oh, no. And almost totally biffed it. Uh, that's so funny. I caught myself. <laughs> we were standing on the edge. And my producer partner was just dying laughing. He's like, you just totally almost ate shit from this entire <laughs> auditorium. <laughs> That's really funny. It, it, would, it would have been great. It would have been the one thing from that entire night that would have been like, yeah, this made it worthwhile. Because <laughs> the rest of the night was terrible. But it wow. was, <laughs> that, that would have made it worthwhile if I would have fallen on my face. <laughs> so what, what advice do you have for you know young writers and, and young comics kind of coming up um, to, uh, to, get their, to get their stuff out there and to – you know, be able to get noticed by those that, you know, if they want to be on Kimmel or Saturday Night yeah. Live. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't know if I'm like, I'm always happy to like give advice. I always feel weird giving advice because it's like, <laughs> it's, I don't know if I'm qualified. And also like if everyone kind of has a different path 
into it. That's not yeah. like you go to law school, you take the test, and then you get barred. Like it's just like everyone kind of has a weird, different path. So any advice that someone gives in comedy is the advice of like, here's what I did, and that path that I did is no longer available because I did right. it. Like once someone does it, it's no longer usually no longer doable so it's it's like helpful but it's i think the things i've I've talked to some other people and i think it kind of boils down to a couple things uh one of them is uh just like make shit constantly and don't be scared of it doing poorly because if it's stupid or bad no one will see it (laughs) just because of like the way like twitter and youtube and stuff work like only the good things kind of shine through unless it's like super racist or sexist or something like yeah <laughs> those things will shine through but like just if you're just like making comedy and you're nervous about people judging you there's really nothing to be scared of because if it's good you'll get a lot of positive feedback and if it's bad just like the algorithms just won't favor it and no one will see it so there's really no risk in just like making sh- a shit and a lot of shit and failing a thousand times like, for example, I submitted stuff to The New Yorker. I think I submitted 25, 20, 25 articles before I got one in. And, like, I've just made so many bad sketches. Just, like, I can't even... Just, like, hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of just awful sketches. So, But you need to do that in order to, like, eventually make a good one. Right. Just the, like, not every... Like you were saying before, not everyone... There's a hit, there's a hit rate. Like, everyone... Not everyone... Even Will Ferrell... And Adam McKay aren't going to make 100% good sketches and yeah. good material. They're going to have stuff that dies. So to get the funny stuff, you got to make the stuff that dies. Yeah, and, and that's with Adam McKay even being an Oscar winner now. He's, yeah. He's, he's <laughs> still, he still makes sketches that bomb. Yeah. I remember in SNL even there was like my first week I was so nervous. And then there was sketches from some of the like most prolific best people on the show that like bombed in that first table read. And I was like. Oh, okay. Like, it's okay. Like, it's you don't have to hit a home run every single time. Yeah. It helps if you can, <laughs> but if you don't, it happens because no one can do that 100% of the time. Right. Uh, another one is just, like, be very friendly and, like, like just, like, don't piss people off or, like, be annoying and, like, <laughs> just kind of, like, be generally decent to work with because... No matter how much it like it feels important in the moment, if like this industry for better or worse is just like one hundred percent connection based. So like if you're like just like if you have the same amount of talent as someone else, but that someone else is just like easier to work with or friendlier, they'll get the job. And sometimes even if they have less talent, they'll just get the job because people because especially on late night shows or other shows where you're spending, you know, 12, 16 hours a day with your coworkers, they don't want to be around someone who's, who's just, just a total asshole. Exactly. <laughs> so just being generally congenial is, a, I think, a big one. Yeah, that's that's honestly what made me make the move to like film and comedy. So I, I had actually done a lot of work in music where I was mm-hmm. managing bands and booking bands and it got to the point that I started to realize that wait, bands are, they're going to get booked regardless of how decent they are. If they have a good song. And I had worked with so many bands that That's were just total assholes. Yeah. And I was like, they can just keep going out and touring. As long as they're not destroying hotel rooms and stuff, they can be the biggest assholes, but they're going to sell out because 
They've got a good song. Only at a certain level, though. Yeah, only at a certain like, level. I think when you're coming, you only get to be an asshole once you're big enough. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> if you're a dick, and even if you're a musician, if you're a dick in the early stages, you're gonna come across promoters, bookers, oh, agents, yeah. and stuff. And if you're unpleasant, you're like, it's just like comedy. You're not gonna be. Yeah. No one's gonna want to work with you, even if like now musicians, you kind of have to have music videos to go big. And like, if you're a dick to work with, and like d- director, like big directors aren't gonna want anything to do with you. Yeah, so yeah. So I think asshole being an asshole is like a privilege you get to do once you're <laughs> big enough. It it, it kind it kind of is, but I noticed it a lot less on the film and comedy side because immediately people are just like, you have to be right in people's faces. Yeah, and, yeah. and so it 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 goes hidden a lot longer, I think, in music <laughs> than it does where it's like if you if you go to you know an open mic and you, I mean, there, I've been to so many open mics where a comic gets up, they're bombing because what they wrote is just utter shit. Sure. And they immediately turn on the audience. And the amount of times I've heard a young open micer tell the audience to fuck off and that they don't know what that, what's funny. And I'm just like, Oh really? Oh yeah. Oh man. (laughs) I've heard that more times than I should have. Yeah. And it's just like, no, that right there, you just like blacklisted yourself forever. Like nobody's going to turn around and book you if, unless you have like a full change yeah. Nobody's gonna book you after that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I noticed it a lot a lot quicker working with bands than I did. That's interesting. I think there's also a probably a premium on being moody in bands, whereas comedy is more about being like friendly and connecting with people. Yeah. And like you can kind of be like I don't know. Granted some of my best friends are still all in bands. <laughs> <laughs> You're just calling them out really hard publicly. Yeah. Oh, they all know it. They they all know it cuz I've given I've given every one of them <laughs> shit about it, but oh, that's funny. But no, it's it, it's funny cuz I yeah, I still have a lot of great friends in bands, but there's always those stories where it's just like, "Do you guys remember this and we we were out at, at Warp Tour and this happened?" <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's it's definitely a, a pleasant change, but sure. th- then at the same time you you still see it in in film and in comedy and in TV, but yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't feel like it's quite to the degree. Yeah, it's friendlier. So, well, again, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to to sit down and, and, and do this. So, and, oh yeah, and Thanks that you're and that your gas and, and water's gonna, uh, get, gonna get turned back on. Oh here yeah, at, it was supposed to be half. Has point. it been a half an hour? It's it, yeah, it's been at least a half. Wait, an hour. Wait, I'm gonna go check the sink. Let's see if it works. But let's see this. This is the trial period. Are you getting, so, this is the test. Still cold. Still cold. So it's still it's still freezing. So still freezing. By the end, I was leaving the sink on. By the end, there was a hint of warmth, but I don't know <laughs> if I just was willing it into like I was just like psychosomatically willing it, or <laughs> you you just started to feel warm. Yeah, and I was getting yeah warm, you were. <laughs> Your own thermo energy was just yes. warming up the water. <laughs> just my intent was warming up the water. That's how strong it is. Well, if anybody wants to follow you on, on social media, where, where are the best spots to follow you at? The best one is Twitter, at Zach Bornstein. I'm, I'm decent on Twitter. I'm not good at Instagram. I just can't crack it. I don't, maybe I'm just like not hot or like weird enough looking, <laughs> but like I just can't crack it for some reason. I don't know what it is, but you're welcome to do that too. It's also at Zach Bornstein. Awesome. So or you can say hi on Facebook and the exact same thing. <laughs> so you're you're lucky you got you got to keep them all 
right right in line. So mine mine jumbled up for a bit there, and I'm almost contemplating offering somebody to just buy the Instagram handle. Oh, the one that's your name? Yeah, because everything else is at Tim Drake, uh, but Instagram was Tim Drake forty two, and I'm just uh, like, no. <laughs> I that's funny you mentioned that because that happened with um. My, a web the website zachbornstein.com that i really wanted it but apparently some woman bought it and she was buying it for her un for her no no it, for her newborn son who is zach bornstein in case he ever needed a website <laughs> and he was zero years old and she got him a fucking website and i was like please just like i'm a comedian it's the new like, savings bond yeah exactly <laughs> it's like <her> war bonds <laughs> uh so she just went, and then she was like, well, you can buy it for me. And I was like, I don't have money. How much do you want? And she was like, 10 grand for yeah. the, I was like, I, I offered her in-kind services. Cause I was like, I was like, I can do editing work for you. I was like, <laughs> I, I, this is when I was still in college. And I just like, was like, I, I'm, I need this for like my profession. Yeah. So I couldn't get it. She was being a jerk, but don't go to ZachBornstein.com. <laughs> it's Bornstein Zach. I was able to get the reverse. So and one thing I'd learned, even in that same regard, don't ever, if you need to know if there's a website, mm-hmm. don't Google to see if that website domain exists. What do you mean? Because there are pirates that follow that algorithm, like internet pirates. And if you've typed in like Google searching that, they go on and buy that domain. So at one point, timdrake.com had become available and I was like, sweet. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I went back to get it, it was gone. Oh, really? And so I started trying to figure it out. And then they were like, you can get it for $25,000. And I was like, how about you go fuck yourself? And then I just went in and immediately bought timdrakecomedy.com. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, all right, that's just what it has to be now. (laughs) For a while, I had one that was therealtimdrake.com. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) But it just didn't didn't work well. I didn't know they become available again. Like if if someone doesn't renew it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd almost lost one of my websites because I had forgot to renew it. Yeah, oh, and really? They, yeah, they become available like a few months later. Wait, I'm going to check. <laughs> Maybe she gave up and forgot that her... Uh... Did you check it on like GoDaddy or something? Yeah. So, yeah, like I, I went on GoDaddy when I bought TimDrakeComedy.com. And that's how I ended up securing it. Because then I ended up doing it through Squarespace, but I knew it was available and I oh, immediately... I I immediately did it there. I found that the most animated parts of this podcast has been when we're talking about utilities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're back onto a utility. Maybe I should just change this to a utility-based podcast. <laughs> <laughs> when we're talking about something with a monthly fee, that's when this really shines. That's, that's where our passions come out. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to get this uh, going and hopefully everybody will get out, get out there and follow you. Do you still have your stuff up on YouTube if anybody wants to see any of the sketches that you had done? Yeah, I think a few of them. I took most of them down, but there's still some like Garlic Jackson okay. uh, on YouTube. Uh, yeah, there's still some. Cool. Well, we, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll find those. We'll link everybody up to them on the website. Don't judge too. me too much for them because, I mean, <laughs> they were when, I mean, I think the last one was like four, four, three, four years ago, so... We, we won't judge harshly. Okay, cool. Judge a little <laughs> bit, just so I remember it, so I feel the <laughs> impetus to change. Somebody will just post a meh yeah, m- emoji okay. underneath it. <laughs> yeah. If you hate it, then I can write you off as a dick, but if you're just fine <laughs> with it, then that's what actually hurts. Awesome. Well, thank you, Zach. Yeah, thanks for having me.